Welcome back to another episode of the Next Level Minds podcast. My name is Chris Chapman and I am your host. For those of you that are tuning in for the first time, this is a podcast dedicated to those who want to reach a next level in their business, personal, or career life. Every other week, I'm blessed to sit down with a qualified guest, entrepreneur, content creator, or mover and shaker in their industry, and walk through their story of how they have gotten from point A to point B and overcame various adversities along the way. Now, before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to let y'all know that there's one more week of my contest going on to win that $50 Visa gift card. So, if you have not entered already, how do you enter this? Well, step one, make a review of Next Level Minds on Apple Podcasts. Tell me what you think. Screenshot that review and then email that screenshot of the review to nextlevelmindspodcast at gmail.com with your first and last name in the subject line. Then you'll be entered to have a chance to win a $50 Visa gift card. So now... Let's go into today's episode. I'm sitting down with Daniel Wilgenbush. He is a successful business owner out of San Diego. Really pumped for this episode. Him and I chatted on the phone before we really went live today. And he's got an incredible story filled with a significant amount of risk and a significant amount of failure. But his story is very inspiring. It pumped me up just talking on the phone with him for about 15 minutes, just getting to know him. So I'm really excited to hear his story in full depth. And if you want to know what it's like to take a risk and what it's like to have a failure, but still come out successful at the end of the day, then this will be a jam-packed episode for you. So thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's episode of Next Level Minds. And as we like to say here, your mindset is your greatest weapon for the battle of success. Daniel, how's it going, man? Appreciate you hopping on the Next Level Minds podcast. Hey, bro. It's going good, man. Thanks so much for having me on, Chris. I'm excited to have uh, have this conversation today. It's going to be a good one, I think. For sure, dude. How's uh, everything going in San Diego on your end? It's um, it's it's as close to the dream as I guess it gets in the United States. You know, it's 70 degrees of Memorial Day weekend, not a cloud in the sky. So yeah, man, San Diego is amazing. I grew up in Chicago, so it's a lot better than there. That's for sure. Did it take you a long time to get adjusted to the overall heat? Because I know Chicago can get quite cold, so... Yeah, no, I'm still not adjusted. <laughs> I've been here for, I've been here for four years. I have like a sweating problem, so like it doesn't, it'll never happen. I'm gonna sweat for the rest of my life. It's it's it is what it is. Oh, nice and good. Uh, good Memorial Weekend, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I had have a lot of good friends out here that I spent some time with, and um, in between that, you know, work and stuff like that, it was a, it was a great weekend, man. How was yours? Yeah, it was good. I uh, spent some time in in Charleston, South Carolina, so. Uh, Actually, just got engaged not too long ago. I was uh, looking at venues, so 
Let's go. Come on, dude. I'm so pumped for you. Congrats. Oh yeah. I know, uh, you and I actually talked on the phone about that and I think I just met you and you were already asking plans. So excited. It was awesome. Uh, I was fired up for you. I just got married two months ago today. So I'm so I'm super jacked for you, dude. Oh, that's, <laughs> how's the, uh, any, uh, tips out there for like the recently married or recently engaged real quick or. <laughs> no, I'm not going to give any advice on that yet. Yeah. You're probably <laughs> two not months, suited two yet. Months two months married i'm not prepared to give advice yet but it's fun i can tell you that i've loved every second of it <laughs> definitely man definitely well hey i know you and i chatted on the phone prior to this and uh you really discussed growing up in chicago having huge dreams taking a risk and all that so i'd love if you could just walk us through your story and really let the listeners get to know you for a little bit yeah man for sure so yeah i live in san diego now 27 years old I grew up in North Chicago, about 45 minutes north of the city. And, um, you know, super small town, very typical of a small town. You know, I grew up big dreamer. Um, the thing for me was I've always, I've always had an ambition to live a life beyond the status quo. Like I, 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 I don't think there's anything wrong with living like a, just a normal basic life. There's nothing wrong with that. It just never was for me. Um, I saw a lot of people that were around me as I was, as I was growing up and, you know, they just kind of like, you know, go to work, make like 30, $40,000 a year, come home, watch TV on the weekends, go out and kind of like rinse and repeat. And that just wasn't something that ever clicked with me. It's not ever something I ever wanted to do. I've always seen myself living, you know, a life of big impact and significance and influence. And, um, I've always wanted to make a lot of money and, um, I didn't know anybody who lived a life like that. <laughs> you know, it was just, it was the type of life I wanted, but I didn't know anybody who really had it. Um, and so naturally I was very confused growing up. I didn't know what I was going to do to acquire that lifestyle and to live a life of significance, but I've always been a dreamer and, and just felt in my, in my, in my gut that I could figure it out at some point. And so, um, in 2008, my parents ended up losing everything in the economic collapse. Um, they had to file bankruptcy. We lost our cars. We lost mm. our house. We lost our business. And, um, it was a super hard thing to go through watching something like if you imagine you know your parents who spent 29 years blood sweat tears 80 hours a week building something and then to overnight in that economic recession lose everything um it was devastating i'll never forget my dad's face when uh when he, he told us and um it was at that point in time i was still pretty young um but it was at that point in time that at a young age i recognized the difference between successful people and everybody else for the first time. And I say that because one of my close friends, um, his dad, while my family was losing everything, we couldn't even buy groceries. We couldn't buy Thanksgiving dinner. His, his dad actually bought us Thanksgiving dinner. Um, they started like remodeling their house. They started traveling. They like bought a boat. And I was like, what the heck is going on? Why is my family losing everything? <laughs> and your family like is balling out. And it was, I didn't realize in that moment, it wasn't until a few years later that I learned about the power of multiple sources of income. You know, that I learned that my family was losing everything. because we had, you know, one source of income. And if you lose that source, you lose everything. And that's what happened to us. And my best friend's dad had multiple sources of passive cash flow. Mm -hmm. And so even when one might have taken a hit, they had other assets, other people that were leveraging and working harder than, than they were. And they were able to keep their lifestyle and even take advantage of um, you know, things in the economy because they had money. And so I realized at a young age, I wanted to do something different. I wanted to have, I, was, I asked myself this question. I said, 
what is it that I can do to make sure that this never happens to my family again? And that was at a young age. And from that point in time, um, I went on a quest to determine, you know, to pursue wisdom and to pursue people who had fruit on the tree, so to speak. Right. Um, one of my, one of my favorite books in the world says you should know a tree by its fruit. And I started looking for fruit, so to speak on people's tree, like what kind of financial results do you have? What kind of emotional and mental uh, strength do you have? What kind of physical shape are you in? What's your spiritual, your, your relationship with God look like? And, and I started only taking advice from people who had the life that I wanted and completely disregarding the advice of everybody else. And, um, I ended up dropping out of college to pursue mentorship because I realized that my professors, I'm paying, you know, almost $40,000 a year to go to this private school that I'm paying for. I didn't have family to pay for it. Mm. And I realized that I'm learning how to go start a business or whatever from people who'd never built a business. And I was like, why would I pay you to teach me how to do something you have never done? And two weeks later, um, dropped out of school and started up a business and, um, made a ton of mistakes. I learned about, you know, people, about sales, about, uh, leadership and management and public speaking and, you know, logistics and all sorts of different things. And, um, I'd love to tell you, I became a millionaire. I didn't, <laughs> that business ended up, <laughs> ended up failing, but, um, many times I learned that you learn more from your mistakes and failures than you do from your successes. And that, business was a stepping stone for me, which ended up introducing me to the guy that ultimately changed my life. I, uh, it introduced me to a guy who, um, in my opinion, was the best public speaker in the world, um, had an amazing relationship with his family, his, his wife and his daughter valued them like tremendously. He had, he was in great physical shape. He had an amazing relationship with God. He had time freedom, financial freedom, global influence. He had everything right. And, um, I had the opportunity. He told me, um, we ended up on a phone call together for about 30 minutes. And he said, dude, I think you're the real deal. And he's like, if, if you're ever in California, reach out to me, we'll get lunch. I'll do anything I can to help you. And I was living in Arizona at that time for just a few months after my, um, my business failed. My parents ended up losing their house a few years after the bankruptcy. And my girlfriend broke up with me at that time too, within a 90 day window. And I was facing like the most just horrific, personal situation in my life, lack of identity, had no idea where my value was coming from. I felt like I had just no value because I lost everything that my identity wasn't in something rock solid. It was in exterior things. And so mm -hmm. it crushed me and that happened. But um, so I moved to Arizona to, you know, really reconnect and figure out what it is that my life's about and what I want to pursue and who I am. And uh, that's when I ended up on a phone call with him and I kind of shared with him what I wanted my life to look like. And that's when he told me that. And long story short, he said, dude, if you're ever out here, let's grab lunch. And six weeks later, um, just like I, I kind of, <laughs> you know, dropped out of college two weeks after making that decision, six weeks after he, uh, he told me that I moved out to California and lived out of my car on and off for about a year just to get around the guy. And um, you know, I recognize that a temporary sacrifice for a permanent gain, like the only reason people have success in their life is because at some point or another, they surrounded themselves with, with people who had what they wanted and it begins to rub off on you. And where I grew up, I'm not going to get opportunities that this guy had. I'm not going to meet people that this guy knows. And so living out of my car seemed like a no brainer to me. 
if I could get around him. And long story short, he became, you know, one of my best friends. He actually married me and my wife two months ago. Um, yeah. And, uh, he introduced me to, you know, the mentors I have now who, you know, earned over 150 million in business. And, um, and my life is just so much different. And it's because of number one, I had a dream, you know, I have, I have a lot of dreams and I had dreams worth pursuing and going through hell to get a, a dream that I was unwilling to compromise on, but also, um, also I was just willing to take the risks associated with it. And I don't know why, I don't know why I was, but, um, my life completely changed as a result of the people I surround myself with and, um, a dream that I had and still have to this day that I'm unwilling to compromise on. So now I live in San Diego and I'm nowhere near where I want to be, but I am currently living a dream that I once had. And so it's a pretty interesting dynamic in my life right now. I'm very grateful for where I'm at and in my life, bro. Yeah, man, definitely. And that is a incredible story. Obviously there's a ton to unpack there. Um, you know, from Chicago to Arizona to having some exponential failures to San Diego, kind of, kind of stepping back a little bit. I know you mentioned, you know, you wanted to go beyond the status quo, had some big dreams. You know, me personally, I kind of had a similar situation, how you mentioned your parents uh, in 2008 lost everything. You know, fortunately I wasn't at that point, but I, I definitely didn't grow up with too many financial resources. A lot of people around me were traveling, you know, getting things as kids. And I was wondering why I wasn't there. So that kind of sparked my big dreams of like, okay, something's not right here. I need to try to take it to the next level. Would you say that 2008 point was when it was like, snap, snap the fingers, let's go. How am I going to change this situation? Hmm. Really good question, man. No, it, it wasn't actually. Um, I was, I don't, I don't even know. I would have been like 12, maybe um, 13, maybe 13 years old and I have been 14. I don't know exactly how old I was, but I wasn't old enough to feel like I could do anything about it. You know, I was, yeah. still, I was like, <laughs> in high, I was in high school, whatever, however old you are in like freshman or sophomore year in high school. And, uh, I didn't feel like I could do anything about it. You know, that snap of the fingers moment, actually, I wouldn't say there ever was a snap of the fingers moment, to be honest. It was a gradual process, a, a gradual process. It was something where that happened a few years later when I was in college is when I started to have, I started to just have this awareness, like, man, what everybody else is doing isn't working. Like, look mm-hmm. at the results that, cause you got to think that was, you know, right after the recession, there were like 17 and a half million bankruptcies. And I believe it was 2011. Yeah. And so the fallout of 2008 hit heavy. And then there was a residual impact that actually got worse. And 2011, I remember the stats, 85% of kids who graduated college moved back in with their parents. Mm. It was it was crazy. That's when student loan debt became the biggest debt in the nation, bigger than uh, credit card debt, mm. and uh, at like $1.3 trillion. And so um, so it wasn't like this snap of the fingers moment where like I like woke up one day and realized like I want more or I need to do something different. It was this gradual process of, it was like a ramp up effect that one step led to another step. There was never like one day I woke up and was like, I'm going to be a millionaire. Or I'm going to be successful. It was like just a slow process of getting fed up and more fed up and sick and tired of being sick and tired and looking around and seeing like, dude, nobody I know has the results I want in my life. It was just this gradual ramp up to, um, you know, I look back now and yeah, there was never one key moment, but 
but there were a lot of small moments that led up to kind of where I am right now. That's for sure. That's a good question. Yeah, definitely. That makes so much sense. What would you say? Cause I think the hardest part sometimes is actually taking that first initial step, you know, going back, what would you say like the first initial steps were that kind of compounded on each other? Yeah, really. So, so for me, it was, um, I stepped into, let me see, it would have been August, 2012. Um, I stepped into the industry of network marketing at that time, right? I was, a, I was a college student. I'd never heard of it. I didn't know anything about it. Um, but that was the first time that I was introduced to something that I could do as a young person that could actually grow. Like, I didn't know it was possible to make a lot of money at a young age. I thought that like wealth was reserved for people in their fifties, sixties, maybe forties. If you were lucky, like sadly to say that was my mentality. Um, I looked at like, if you want to be a millionaire, you got to be a pro athlete and actor. Like you could basically be a celebrity or win the lottery is the way I saw it or like grow up with money. That was my belief. And, um, and, and so when it, when it came to, when I saw network marketing for the first time, like I saw people who were like 25 that were making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and a month. And I was like, what? Like, how is that possible? <laughs> like, I, no, it, it blew me away. And so, you know, I was super naive, you know, I thought that I could like step into it and, you know, a kid who has, I worked at a grocery store at the time, you know, a kid who works at a grocery store with no credibility, no business skills, no understanding of business, no wisdom, like no leverage whatsoever. I was like, in six months, I'm going to be a six figure earner. <laughs> I'm going to retire my parents next year. And, um, and that was my mentality. I was super naive. And, uh, I turn, it, it, it turns out obviously it's a real business and you have to like learn some skills. And stuff. <laughs> yeah. So that was like my first step into business. And that was the thing that introduced me to everything. Thing. That's what introduced me to mentorship, introduced me to the concepts of passive cash flow and multiple sources of income, and um, you know, introduced me to like leadership and public speaking. And like, man, this, this, there was like this, there was like this kingdom on the inside of me that I didn't know was there. Mm. There was this like tr this reservoir of treasure on the inside of me, and and passion and purpose on the inside of me that had never been cultivated, had never, had never been stirred, had never even been poked. I, it was like there was a sheet covering it. I had no idea it was there until that was the industry that kind of stirred me up for the first time when I started to realize, um, and it didn't happen immediately, it took a few years, but started to stir up my giftings and started to show me like, dude, there are things that, that you were created to do. And I believe that about everybody. And it, it, it it, it, it really radically changed the direction of my life when I started to get around people who could pull the gold out of me. You know, mm -hmm. I think it's important to get around people who see more in you than you see in yourself and, um, and getting around people who are really, really successful. That's where that really started to happen for me for the first time. Yeah, definitely. And, and I would have loved to have seen your reaction when you found out how much people at 25 were making. That would have just been priceless. Not going to lie. <laughs> It, yeah, yeah. My face was like, yeah, <laughs> I was blown away. I was like, Is that, you made more than everybody I know made last year, like last month. Like, it, yeah, I didn't know it was possible. It was crazy. Yeah, definitely. And and you mentioned you, you had this untapped potential, you know, you mentioned like started pulling gold out of you. What would you suggest out there for people who, who know they haven't reached their full potential? They're kind of in that limbo, gray, stuck area. 
um, but they know they want to unleash, you know, what they're really meant for. What are some like practical advice tips there? Would you say? Yeah. Well, first off, I'd say manage your expectations. Mm. Like we live in a society right now where people think that you can, because you can like microwave something and it's ready in 60 seconds, or you can go through a drive through or like text message face on me. You can get so much so fast today. People dramatically overestimate what, what can be done in a three month period or a six month period or a 12 month period. And they significantly underestimate what can be done in three years, five years or 10 years. You know, I thought that my trajectory for I'll be at year 10 in business, I thought I would accomplish in year one. And I look at so many people who feel the same way, step into business, six months in, realize they're not even close to where they thought they would be and they quit, mm. right? When in reality, that that success is coming, it is imminent, but it's not in the time frame you think it will be. You look at the stats on, on, on business in this country, it takes on average three to five years for a business to break even. Right. You look at you look at some of the stats and 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 if you have an understanding of real business, you will start to gather and, and realize that the first year, two years, three years of any business, I don't care if it's real estate, I don't care if it's franchising, network marketing, traditional business, corporate America, you can like like stocks and bonds trading in the foreign foreign exchange market. I don't care what you're doing, podcasting. The first year to two to three, it is foundational. Right. You are building a foundation to launch off of, right? If you launch a rocket ship off of, you know, something with a shaky foundation, it's it's not going to get off the ground because it's going to destroy the foundation it's on as it's beginning to launch, right? People spend all this time building the rocket, but they forget about the foundation. They spend all this time building skyscrapers, but don't dig deep enough. And so I would tell people out there, number one, manage your expectations and understand you can have early success. You can, you can make money in your first year to two to three years, right? Money, money can be made overnight, but wealth is created over time. Mm. And so many people come into a business and think they're going to just rip the cover off the ball. And because that's what society glorifies. They glorify the overnight success story. You know, Kevin Hart said, it took me nine years to become an overnight success story, right? Yeah. People are obsessed with talent, but completely forget about uh, grit, totally forget about effort, totally forget about um, the work it took to get there. So if you're starting something or you're in the middle of something or you're not where you want to be yet, my encouragement is manage the expectations of what you can do in three, four, five, eight, ten 10 years, and also manage the expectation on the other side of what you're going to actually get done your first six to 12 months. You know, for most people, they don't know what the actual activities are that generate the result, right? We're focused on all the wrong things. I'll, I'll, I'll kick it back to you. I just want to say this one last thing is I look at, I, like, I looked at one of my greatest advantages was I looked at myself like a penny that doubles once a day for, for 30 days. Mm. Right. Like there is this, I'll never forget. There is, there's, I don't know, you'd call it a metaphor and analogy, but someone asked me if, if I give you a million dollars cash right now for a penny that doubles once a day for the next 30 days, which would you take? And upon initially being asked that question, I said a million dollars cash. Like most people say that most people also don't have an awareness of what compounding does, right? Geometric progression, what that penny turns into by day 20, it's like $10,000 or something like that. It's, it's very minimal amount of money. The guy, you, you have a million dollars cash and I have 10,000. You're laughing your way to the bank. You're like, I told you you made a foolish decision, right? 
Um, but the magic of that is in days 26, 28, 29, 30, because by day 30, that penny's $5.36 million. Mm. And I looked at myself as the penny, right? So many people, I remember when I was living out of my car, they were telling me, you're, you're an idiot. Like, you're a fool. Why are you living out of your car? Go, go get a job. Go do this. Go do that. Like, why would you do that? And these are people who on paper are doing way better than me, right? They're making $50,000, $60,000 a year, which isn't great necessarily, but um, I was poor. (laughs) (laughs) So by that standard, you know, they were doing way better than me. But what is interesting is while the masses criticized me and told me I was a fool because my penny was only two pennies and four pennies and eight pennies and 16 pennies and 32 and 64 and so on, and theirs was 50,000 or whatever, 100,000. What's interesting, bro, is all of the successful people I knew, all the millionaires that I knew were like, dude, you're a genius. Mm. You're a genius. I wish I did what you're doing at your age. What was I doing? I wasn't pursuing money. I was pursuing wisdom because wisdom is the principal thing, right? My favorite book says, and all you're getting, get understanding. And your level of wisdom acts like a, it acts like a, a ceiling on your, on your income and your life. People are pursuing money, but your level of wisdom and understanding, it's like a thermostat in a house, right? If it gets too hot, you have it set to 72 degrees, starts to get too hot in your house. The air kicks in, brings it back down to 72. Mm. starts to get too cold. The heat kicks on, brings it back to 72. Well, that's why lottery winners, 85% of them after two years are, are in the same position they were when they won the lottery or worse because they don't adjust their financial thermostat. They don't ju- adjust their level of wisdom. When they get the money, they go buy things. They don't invest in themselves. I was laying a foundation for years, getting around people who had made millions of dollars and learning to think the way they think. Because when you unlock your mind, your mind is the, is the governor on your results. You can shift your mind, your results will follow. Everybody's focused on the results and forget their mind. I was like, I'm going to eat, uh, I don't know who watches your podcast necessarily, so I, I'll say, <laughs> I'm going to eat garbage in my 20s. I'm going to eat crap in my 20s. Yeah. By the time I'm 30, I'll be a multimillionaire. That was my mentality. I was prepared to do battle. I was prepared for hell in my 20s because what's sacrificing your 20s if 30 and on you're a multimillionaire and eventually a multi-billionaire, right? To me, that's a no-brainer. It's just hard when you're in it. So it all comes back to managing your expectations. You know, understand it's going to be super hard in the beginning and that's normal. Um but if you come into it with that perspective, you're gonna you're gonna have leaps and bounds um, mentality strength over everybody else you're competing against because most people are too soft to make it. Oh yeah, that's some definitely really solid points right there, and I like what you mentioned about the foundation. I think that just goes to show that it's it, you should not cut corners because ultimately it may feel like you're getting to that next level slightly quicker, but then you know three, five, seven, ten years down the road. I think the foundation will start to crack because you took those initial shortcuts earlier in life. And, you know, I'll openly admit, I find myself taking shortcuts at times because it's so much easier, but then it comes back to bite me in the butt later because it's like, oh, I didn't lay that foundation um, and actually gain that wisdom by actually enjoying and doing the process along the way. So, yeah, well so said, bro. Yeah, yes. definitely. And I really like what you said about wisdom too. I, it's so easy, like, you know, around our age to just chase money, especially with the comparison game. But, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to get past that and really just focus on wisdom, land that foundation. 
Um, so definitely want to encourage everyone out there to do the same. Um, but I want to, I want to dive into, to what it was like, you know, living out of your car, because I think you're like the second person I've ever met that that's lived out of their car and I've met, I've met a ton of people. So, uh, a couple things with that just out of, out, out of the blue. I mean, how was that? Oh yeah, it wasn't good. <laughs> oh man. There wasn't a day that went by that I didn't want to quit. Um, you know, cause I didn't have to live in California, you know, like I could have moved back to Arizona. I had great friends out there. I could have lived with that. I was living with before I moved there. Whole family was in Illinois. All my friends were between Arizona and Illinois. I didn't know anybody in California. Um, and so I mean, there wasn't a day that went by that I wasn't in my car. Like, am I making the right decision? Like, mm. are, are these people right? Cause you gotta be careful who's in your ear. You gotta be careful who you're letting chatter in your mind, right? Are you, who, who has the megaphone on your life? Is it your dreams or is it your memories, right? People who live in the past, die in the past. So many people that you get around are like, they talk they're all they do is talk about the good old days. They talk about high school. They talk about college. They talk about oh, their yeah. last business. They talk about the past. And I'm like, get away from me. I, I don't want to talk about the past. What do, do I have more? Do, does our future have more in common or does our past have more in common? If it's our past. Dude, I, I love you. I love you from a distance though. I needed to get around people who thought in the future, who saw themselves going somewhere because now when you're, when you're in the thick of it, when I was living out of my car and sleeping on people's couches and stuff, and every day I wanted to quit, I had to be very choosy with yeah. who I let speak into my life. I had to be very particular about who I let, you know, get a, get a stranglehold on the megaphone of my life. And um, so, you know, I, I remember I would wake up at usually six or seven in the morning and cause you can't sleep in your car for very long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'd go to the, I'd go to LA fitness in Huntington beach and there's a Starbucks, like two or three, two or three, um, stores down in the same complex. And I'd drive there, I'd park, um, you know, I'd go get a little tan in at the pool. They had an outside pool. Um, I'd work out. I would shower, I'd shave at the LA fitness. Like that was basically like my bathroom, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd get ready there and then I'd walk right down or just drive a couple parking lots over to Starbucks and I'd spend the days I wasn't working. I worked at a country club in Newport beach. Um, the days I wasn't working, I'd spend my whole day at Starbucks and I would be, um, sitting there for hours because I didn't have anywhere else to go. And yeah. I wasn't just sitting there scrolling mindlessly on Facebook. I had a, I had a definite chief aim in my life. Like I was, um, you know, creating content. I was documenting my journey. I was documenting my mentality. I was documenting what I was going through. I was looking for opportunities. I was trying to find something I can do to get myself out of that situation. Right. I was looking for a shovel, so to speak, to, you know, dig myself out of the hole I was in. And, um, you know, the challenge with a shovel is it costs money. Yeah. And so people look at that and go, I don't want to buy a shovel to dig myself out of this with. So they just sit in the hole because they, they're distracted by the cost of the shovel. Right. I was looking for a shovel to buy. I was looking for an opportunity. I was looking for people. I was looking for anything I could do to get into a different situation. I was willing to do it. And, um, and so I'd, I'd be at Starbucks till 1030 when they close. Mm. And then I would go get in my car and drive around for a little bit. 
um, and find a dark street where there's not like street lights. So people couldn't see in my car. I had all my stuff in there. I had a hatchback, so there was no hiding anything. I didn't have a trunk <laughs> and my car smelled like dirty gym clothes. Cause like, again, it was a hatchback. It was a Subaru Impreza Outback Sport. And so I had like my dirty clothes in the laundry basket in the far right, my clean clothes in the back seat, <laughs> my pillow and blanket in the passenger seat. And, um, and so I'd find a dark place to park because I didn't have window tints and uh, I'd lay my seat back. I'd pull my blanket out, put my pillow behind my bed and I'd sleep with a knife in my hand in the event that somebody tried to like break in. And uh, I'd go to sleep probably around like midnight um, and I'd wake up at six or seven in the morning, sometimes earlier. And um, it was, it was like that, you know, for a long time and I'd sleep, I'd sleep on friends couches every opportunity I could eventually my girlfriend actually moved out to Orange County I know they're the girl there who would date that guy right <laughs> who would date the homeless dude well I'm married to her now she's the best woman in the world nice. um but uh but she ended up moving out to Orange County that's where I lived at the time I'm in San Diego now and um so I'd, I'd stay at her place sometimes too and um I couldn't always stay there because she had a roommate but it was hard man I remember one time in particular I had gone home with Caitlin, that's my wife's name. Me and Caitlin had gone home for the first time to, for her to meet my parents. And uh, we were going back for a wedding and I uh, saved up as much money as I could. And we were able to go to my friend's wedding. And um, we were there for like eight days. And I came home uh, back to California after that. And it was crazy because I, I landed at like 1030 at night. By the time my friend came and picked me up from LAX, drove, drove me back to my car, I was literally leaving. I remember crying when I was leaving my house in Illinois, my family's house. I was, I was crying because mm -hmm. I knew I was leaving the comfort of my family, my brother, my sister, my parents, our dogs, a bad food in my stomach. I could, dude, I could, I could come back at any second and, and be comfortable and have all of the creature comforts I needed and had I had somebody back home who was able to get me who would have been able to get me a good job making almost a hundred thousand dollars a year and I was getting on an airplane to go back to living in my car wow. and I remember landing I got in my car that night it was like midnight 12 30 at night something like that I was just sobbing and I remember thinking to myself I could turn my car on and drive home right now mm -hmm. I have just enough money in my in my bank account to pay for gas to get home I was broke dude and, um, and I was like, okay, maybe I'll do it in the morning. I need to get some sleep, went to sleep, woke up, wanted to do it. And I heard this voice in my, in my head say, dusk is always darkest just before dawn. Mm -hmm. And I still get goosebumps to this day because it was literally that day, hours later that the guy I had moved to California to get around texted me and said, Hey man, I've got something I want to talk to you about. I know you're looking for a platform to start building wealth. Um, there's something I want to share with you. And legitimately, if I went home, that opportunity never would have happened. Wow. And that opportunity is literally what changed my life. And um, if I would have quit at the hardest point in time, if I would have quit, I wouldn't be where I am today. I'd be in a totally different place. That never would have happened. Um, and I decided in that moment, I'm, I didn't come this far just to come this far. And I decided to stay. And later that day is when he sent me that text message. And two days later, we sat down at a Dunkin' Donuts in uh, like Mission Viejo area or something like that. And um, slowly but surely, my life began to change. And it's crazy looking back on that now, dude, what my life would look like right now. 
is so depressing in comparison. Wow. That's crazy. I was going to ask, actually, you're like, yeah, I slept with a knife in my hand. I was literally going to ask that. And then you automatically took that away from me. Obviously the safety there. So you mentioned, you you know, you felt like giving up, you're sobbing, you know, it's so easy to just, especially after you went back home for that wedding with the, you know, warm house, warm bed, like what kept you going through that time? Because it wasn't like that guy was sending you texts like, Hey, you know, one more week, man, you got it. Or, you know, three more days. Like, you know, I pledged a fraternity and it was like a time frame of like, obviously that's nowhere near living out of your car, but it was a time frame of like, Hey, one more week, five more days, three more days and boom, we're done. Like, how did you keep going when you didn't see the end in sight? I think that's crazy. Good question, man. Um, well, like I said before, number one was a dream. You know, I didn't really know what my dream was at that time. I just knew that I had more for me on the other side of my pain than I had for me if I went back in the direction I came. And um, it part of it was the story that I was holding on to on, on kind of like when I made my decision to move to California in the first place to pursue, um, you know, that guy as a mentor and um, a friend. Um, I was, so, so I'm going to rewind to when I was in Arizona, I was driving home from a flag football game. I was playing on this team with some physical therapists and stuff, and we'd, we'd won the championship and I'm driving home. And this whole time for like a few, a couple months at that point, I had been starting to get acquainted with what I really wanted my life to be about. Um, which, which is about waking up the gold on the inside of people and, and, um, helping people wake to their passion and their purpose and help people make their ideas heard by helping to develop them into influential people and, and all, all sorts of different things like that. And I was starting to awaken to this at that point in time. And that's, um, a couple weeks later, a few weeks later is when me and, and this guy spoke on the phone and he told me to, you know, if I'm ever in California. And so I'm driving home from this, this, uh, flag football game that I played in and I'm listening. I got my beats headphones on. I'm listening to a song called California. Um, love this song had, had no intention. I wasn't thinking about California or anything like that. Um, and, uh, actually, no, I'm sorry. Let me, let me rewind. Yes. I, me and, me and him had talked a couple weeks prior. Um, and so I, I was listening to the song California he told, he told me if I'm ever in California, so I'm like chewing on this right now. Like, should I move out there? So it, this is like how many years ago? So I get the story kind of mixed up. But um, anyway, so I'm driving home from this uh, flight football game, listening to this on California. I'm approaching this Los Angeles sign because I'm driving west from, um, from East County, Arizona, back to I was living in Goodyear at the time, West Valley. Uh, Arizona, West Valley, Phoenix. And there's this LA sign. So I'm listening to California. Love this song. Thinking about my destiny and my dreams, I'm driving under this LA sign. I kid you not, a shooting star goes over the top of the Los Angeles sign. Oh my gosh. When that happened, my whole body got like goosebumps. And I was like, oh my God, no, I have to move to California. Like, I have to do this. And that was the moment I decided to move. And so, like, that's a really powerful Mm. moment. And, um, I didn't have a relationship with God at the time. I didn't know. And now I know it was God that was, you know, communicating with me and speaking to me and putting signs and, and things in my way to make that move. But um, when I was going through those times and wanted to quit, I was like, I'm not crazy. Like that, that is not a coincidence that that happened. I am supposed to be here. Right. I don't know why, but I'm supposed to be. 
And I know it has something to do with who I'm supposed to become. And I don't know how long I have to go through this. I don't know how much longer it's going to be, but I'm staying because I would rather stick around and have it be something that, it, okay, maybe I made the wrong choice, then live with the pain of regret of what did I miss out on? What did I give up on? Yeah. And so I've experienced regret at a super high level in the past, and I was simply unwilling to, to, to give it a voice in my life again. And so yeah, I, I didn't really, I, I had dreams of what I could be in my life and the impact I could have, but I didn't have like tangible, like I'm going to do this or whatever. I just had like kind of vague things I wanted to do, but that story kept me going because I knew I was supposed to be there. I just didn't know why. And I was committed to figuring it out. Yeah, definitely. And, and that goes back to those examples where, you know, God opens a door for you and sometimes you're like, yes. And then other times you're like, oh my gosh, this is going to be an uphill battle. But <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, then you're, you're kind of like, why? Come on. Is there an easier route? And it's just like, no, there's not an easier route. Good luck type of thing. So exactly. dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I kind of, kind of backing up a little bit more. I, you mentioned, uh, you had 90, like in a 90 day time frame, you had a lot of failures. Like, you know, the, the parent's house was gone. Uh, your girlfriend at the time, you know, you guys weren't together anymore. Your business was kind of failing. Like, you know, wh- how did you kind of bounce back from that? What was your mentality like? Cause that's a, obviously three big failures kind of happening at once. Yeah. So, um, that was, that was at that point in time, that was the hardest thing I've ever dealt with in my life. I, mm-hmm. I thought I was going to marry that girl. Um, and she broke up with me over a phone call. We've been together almost two years and broke up with me over a phone call. And um, that was in uh, May of 2015. And in, uh, it would have been August is when my parents actually had to move. Like we lost the home I grew up and spent my entire life in um, mm-hmm. in August. So it was June, July. So like, yeah, 90 days later is when that happened. And then, um, within a couple weeks before or after, I'm not exactly sure when, but within a couple weeks of that happening is when the business that I was running literally collapsed, like legitimately overnight. Um, and my entire identity was wrapped up in, like, if you think of what people's identities are wrapped up in, it's for the most part, what's the second question you ask when you meet somebody, right? First question is what's your name? Second question is what do you do? (laughs) Right. People's identity is in what they do. And my identity was wrapped up in what I did. And, um, my identity was also wrapped up in who I was dating. You know, she was absolutely beautiful. I was super proud to, you know, be with her and it wasn't a healthy relationship. There were some obvious red flags I was not (laughs) seeing, Um, but, but I was, my identity was in my relationship and it was in my business. And so when those two things were taken from me, um, I experienced deep depression. I I felt like I had no value. I felt like I had no worth. I felt like um, when you don't have a meaningful service to provide the world, you you're, you're looking darkness in the eye. Right. And if you look long enough, it'll look back. Mm. And um, I felt like I had no purpose to be on planet earth. And um, you know, the truth is definitely contemplated suicide one time and Mm thankfully did not did not look at that option for more than you know a couple minutes but i remember being on the phone with my sister at 2 30 in the morning like just sobbing man like i'd lost everything that meant anything to me and um 
I'd love to tell you that I was like this freaking soldier and just like, you know, fought out of it. Like I fought out of the cave. <laughs> like, that's yeah. not what happened. Yeah. <laughs> that is not what happened. I was beaten practically to death by, by depression and hopelessness. And I had um, a couple really good friends at the time who helped pull me out of it. You know, one of them literally came over to my house multiple times and like just walked in my house and was like, dude, get out of, get out of bed. We're leaving. Like mm. I'm taking you out. We're going to go get a drink. We're going to go hang out. We're going to go get you into society. And, and he helped kind of bring me back to nor a little normalcy. And I ended up going to like a conference, um, for my business. So this was like right before my business collapsed, we had like this conference. And so that kind of helped bring me back and some other friends. And I had people who pulled me out of what I was going through. And, um, you know, if you don't have good people in your corner, you are, you're, you're bankrupt. Like you got to have good people in your corner. And, um, and I did, and they helped pull me out of it. And that's actually why I moved to Arizona was because I I was like, you know, you can put a, a, a redwood seed, you know, the tall, I think that's like the tallest tree in the world. You put a redwood seed on your bathroom tile for 50 years, it will do nothing. Yeah. Right. You put it, you put it in, in dry soil with cracks and thorns and no water, it will die. But you put that same seed in an environment with good soil, good water, good sunshine, other roots from stronger trees around it to, to help it grow. And you're going to grow with the tallest tree in the world. Right. And that was me. And that's anybody who watches this, like you're a seed and your environment matters. And I needed to replant myself because I was surrounded by roots, dead roots, weeds, dry ground, no water. Like I needed nourishment. So I moved to Arizona because I had a few super close friends there. I knew nobody else. I moved there with the intention of spending time with only like three people and reading tons of books and just finding myself, like figuring out who I am what I, what my purpose is reigniting the fire inside me. I need a new environment. And, uh, and that's why I moved there in the first place was because I recognize that your atmosphere is everything. And my atmosphere sucked. As soon as we got my parents moved in their new house, I bounced October 3rd. I drove from Illinois to, uh, to Arizona. I arrived in Arizona, I think October 6th, which was my mom's birthday. Um, and never looked back. Hmm. That's, that's incredible that, that you like, you know, you were able to surround yourself with that proper environment to get out of that circumstance. I, I was uh, talking to somebody the other day who also experienced some significant failures. I said, man, like, how did you get out of that? And, and he literally said three things. He said, well, change the people I was with, change the places I was going, and I changed the things that I was doing. So I think that summarizes your example. I mean, change your people you're hanging out with, change your places, and just change the things you're doing instead of just listen to, you know, trap music, pick up that book, listen to that podcast, like have that balance of things yeah. to help you grow. Right. Love it, dude. Exactly. Exactly. That guy's a genius. Whoever said that, that's the exact same thing I did. Yeah, definitely. So obviously you've been through a lot of diff- different circumstances, grown a lot. Um, you know, it, it just experienced so much in probably what felt like two decades, but in the grand scheme of thing, probably a small amount of time, you know, what is your one word to describe the, the journey of your success that you've been on so far? One word. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a, that's a super tough question. One word to describe everything I've been through. Um, 
I went, it's, it's, it's not, it's not a sexy word, but I'd say, I'd just say committed. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm committed to what I said I was going to do years ago. I'm, I'm unrelenting and I'm unwilling to compromise on what it is I intend my life to look like. And, um, and I don't care if it takes me another 10 years, I'm not stopping. And so committed, I think would be is not sexy of a word as it is. It perfectly describes the last, it would be eight, almost eight years for me. Mm, I love it. I love it. Well, what's the best place uh, for people to connect with you and, and you know, what's going on in your neck of the woods? Definitely want to leave uh, you the floor for a little bit to let all the listeners know what's happening on your side. Yeah, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. So you can find me on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn all at Daniel Wildenbush. Um, you can find the spelling on the podcast, my last name. Um, but Daniel Wildenbush, same, same spelling, same full name on all three platforms. Um, and would love to connect with you guys, love to answer questions, love to, you know, hop on a, hop on a phone call and see what I can do to support you guys. You know, my, my life is, I'm incredibly blessed. I have, you know, two businesses I'm a part of and, um, that's cool. I love what I do, but to be honest, man, like because of all I've been through and what I've learned along the way is your people are more important than anything else. Mm. And outside of God, for me, my people are, are worth the most. And, and there are things that people have said to me that they didn't see as significant in their downtime and their, or excuse me, in my downtime when I was challenging, it was just a passing conversation, a word of encouragement that they thought it probably didn't even realize what it did for me. For example, my, the guy that I moved to California when I was living out of my car, he, he didn't realize this was significant. The dude's balling like this. It didn't matter to him, but he had this brand new pair of shoes that, um, he, he just like, he had two of them and he just didn't, didn't need another one. He's like, Hey, no, what's that shoe you wear? I told him, he's like, I, I have something for you. And he gave me this brand new pair of shoes, super nice, like $160 night, $160 shoes. And brand new, never worn, fresh out of the box. And he didn't know, but I hadn't had new shoes, shoes in years. And wow. when he gave me those shoes, it was like this piece of hope that I was able to cling to. Like it, it renewed my enthusiasm for everything I was doing and pursuing. And, and so it, that's what I've learned. If I can be that for somebody, man, that's so, it's so powerful. And so if I can do anything to support you guys, have a conversation with you guys, or just follow me and my content can inspire you to be better. Um, I'd love it. That's, that's all I'd have to say, bro. Yeah, for sure, man. And just quick point on my end with that. I, I feel as if people are like, oh, to make an impact, I have to travel to Haiti and go on a two week trip. But it, you know, it, it starts in your own backyard. It starts by paying for the guy behind you. It starts by giving a, a pair of shoes away or an old shirt or just a word of encouragement. So I think, you know, I just want to challenge everyone out there to, to do that small thing to make an impact because it definitely, I'm sure you agree with too. It definitely compounds over time. I totally agree, man. And it always, it comes back to you 30, 60, 90, hundred fold. It totally does, which isn't the reason to do it, but it's important to understand that. And, uh, you know, Chris, I love what you're doing, bro. I've loved our conversations and I appreciate you having me on here to see a, a young sharp stud like yourself, go, just going after it and pursuing something. You didn't know what you were doing when you started and look <laughs> at you crushing it now, dude. I'm just pumped for you. I'm glad we got connected, man. I'm excited to see all the amazing amazing things you're doing in your future, man. And I'm looking forward to staying connected. Thanks so much for having me on, bro.
Yeah, definitely, Daniel. Thanks for hopping on the podcast and uh, hope you enjoy the rest of the week. Well, that's it, guys. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode of Next Level Minds. Go ahead and connect and follow Daniel on various social media platforms. He definitely wants to inspire others to succeed. I hope you all have a great week ahead. And as we like to say here, your mindset is your greatest weapon for the battle of success.